Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me wiser. Happy, happy, happy Tuesday, people. Hi, welcome to Fight Club. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Fight Club for Business, the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. We're a team of self-employed industry experts, and we get to be joined this week by Dan Antonelli. Thank you so much for joining us, Dan. We're excited oh, to have you on the show. Thank you, ladies. Glad to be here. Awesome. Thrilled. Well, we are stoked to have you talk about all things marketing, branding, you know, going across systems, people, culture, all the stuff, finances. So do you mind giving our listeners a brief rundown of yourself and your business so they can get to know you a little bit? Uh, absolutely. Um, Dan Antonelli, I run a 20-person design agency here in New Jersey. We focus almost exclusively on home service businesses. We do a lot of brand development, truck wrap design. We do um, brochures, billboards, uniforms, uh, pretty much anything that can use a logo. Um, and we have a team of five full-time brand designers, four graphic designers, um, four full-time writers, people who do naming. We do a lot of naming as well. And then we have account people and strategy people. So I am at this 27 years. Um, and I think to, at this point, we probably have done the branding for around 2000 or so home service businesses um, over the last two and a half decades. So still super exciting to be a part of that, to be able to change the lives of so many clients and, you know, just feel really fortunate that I have this job that we can do those things on a regular basis. So it's still very fun. It's still very passionate about it. And it's just great seeing the results of our work and knowing the impact that we're making on our clients. So um, very blessed and fortunate. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm so I'm I've been stoked to talk to you. So clearly with the marketing background, I have a graphic design background, been super excited once I saw you on the show list coming up for upcoming events. So Thank you so much for introducing yourself. And for those who are new to the show and don't know me, my name is Taylor Maroney. I actually co-own a power washing company in South Florida with my husband. And my background, as I briefly mentioned before, is in graphic design and marketing. Um, worked in those industries for about six years and found that the passion myself for myself lies really in helping business owners understand what the data from marketing companies really actually means and how they can make decisions based upon that to improve their business. So super excited to have you on with us, Dan, and welcome back to Fight Club, everyone. Awesome. And my name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. I educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I met Dan at actually a conference uh, where I was doing just that, and he was doing just what he's doing here today. I am also the owner of Likes Accounting Company, where we are a full-service accounting firm. We can You can outsource all those nasty bookkeeping tasks to us and my team. And I own a window cleaning, gutter cleaning company with my husband, Jeff, that went through a rebrand with Dan last year. Jeff likes clean windows and gutters, and I'm excited to be talking with Dan today. Welcome to the show. <laughs> And hey there, Dan, Michelle Myers from Pink Collars, also proud owner of a 
Wise Coatings Flooring Franchise. My husband's out in the field all the time now, and it's awesome. He gets up and leaves every day and, and goes and works with people outside, so it's awesome for him, too. Um, welcome. I am thrilled to talk to you today about branding um, because I just experienced a brand myself, and I'm looking to possibly rebrand my company, so I'm going to pick your brain about some things that I might be able to do, too. I'm thrilled to see you and have you here today on Fight Club. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And lastly, my name is Martha Woodward, and I am all about people and culture. I co-founded Quality Driven Software, owned a maid service for about 13 years. Um, and I just like helping people build happier workplaces. So welcome to Fight Club, Dan. And I have to say, I just shared in our Quality Driven group, I have to say, I've gotten to where, I mean, branding is very intriguing to me because... I think initially people think of it as your logo kind of thing, but there's so much more to it. So this will be fun. I'm glad you're on the show. Thank you. It's like you read my mind, Martha. That's actually what <laughs> I was going to start with. And now you just lead it and let it in perfectly for me to be able to take over. So thank you. <laughs> that comes from spending way too much time together. Kate. <laughs> it is so accurate. Well, as Martha said, a lot of people do think that branding is just their logo. So what I wanted to kind of start off and talk to you about, Dan, is what really is a brand to you? What does a brand mean and what does that look like? I think you could look at a brand as sort of the sum total of all the touch points that are going out from an organization. So we look at the logo as being central to that. In the book that I just published, we talk about that brand wheel and that wheel, all the touch points comprise um, that wheel. And the logo is really the most central part of that wheel. So, you know, if you screw up that central part, then that wheel does not turn very efficiently. And I think that that's the point that I really try to drive home in the book is that you have to really get that central brand um, wheel or that, that hub of that wheel, I should say, to be solid. Otherwise, all the other things are just not going to work as well as you would like them to. And of course, with enough effort, and effort, I should say, is another word for money, you'll get that wheel to turn. Um, but we always would rather our clients spend the least amount of money on their marketing. And by investing in the in the branding, that's typically what we see as results of that. So if you can get that foundation solid, then that wheel is going to turn a lot more efficiently. You're going to have a brand that is more sticky to the consumers that you're trying to uh, reach. And you'll need to spend less money because you have a brand that is memorable and disruptive. And, you know, when they need service, they remember your brand having seen it on the street. Certainly the streets and the truck wraps play a huge role um, for a lot of home service companies. And we definitely focus on the results that those truck wraps can deliver and, um, you know, I, I know you, you guys spoke about data, you spoke about data, and we certainly love looking at data and how data supports, you know, I feel like 15 years ago, this is more a theory I had. And, you know, we have so much data to just basically prove how this all works and how it functions together. So that was a little long winded, but I hope that answered your question. No, it does. It's perfect. I love it. And you kind of segued into some data. So I'm excited to kind of start to pivot that way. But briefly, kind of to recap what you said. So if you're listening today, the logo is really your foundation. It's not just a logo. It's not just your, you know, 
simple piece of identity, it really becomes the foundation for your brand identity. So it's it's taking that mindset shift that a lot of business owners don't tend to kind of look at the opposite end of sometimes. And they think a logo is just, oh, it's just my name. It's just the company name. It's just what's there. It goes online, goes on the website, yada, yada, yada. But in retrospect, it's actually, it's, it is your foundation. It's thinking, thinking of it as a home. I mean, that is what you have to build the rest of the business marketing off of. And if that foundation is not solid, then as Dan said, you're going to be having to put a lot more effort, more money into making that foundation work for you. So since we talked about data, there is a lot of questions about data behind branding. And I know I love Megan to death and she was one of them. She was always asking me questions in regards to how can you track it? How can you do the things? And once she found you guys, I know that all those questions were answered. So when it comes to tracking a brand, what are some of the key things you start to implement? Is it called tracking numbers? Do you implement... Um, different type of landing pages for websites? What's kind of your mindset when you start to analytically look at the data? I mean, there's there's a lot of tools that home service companies have access to, especially as it relates to their CRM. So you have Service Titan, you have Sierra, you have House Call, House Call Pro. So you have all these um, other software that you can use to, to track that. So you can have a unique number on the truck wrap. For example, you can have a unique tr uh, number on all your different ads, and then you can see the results of those specific endeavors. We look at a lot of things, especially as it relates to the truck, where, where um, either we'll have a unique number or the calls are screened at the time that they come in by the CSRs using a script. And, and the CSRs will really drill down as to the source of the actual lead. And then you could look at, you know, what, how many leads were derived from the truck previous brand versus subsequent rebrand. And a lot of that data is really, really striking because you could look at some of the brands, um, their prior brand, and you might say, well, you know, it's, it's okay. Like I can read the name of the company. It's, it's, um, it's legible. Maybe it's it's a bright color. So you would say, oh, I, I, I you know, I think that that's a good truck wrap. Right. Um, and then you look at the results in subsequent and, and what's happened. And, and some of them are just really, really crazy in terms of ROI. Like we literally had a client um, that we had rebranded and they had zero phone calls from their previous truck wrap. And it was wow. bright orange and I could read the name of it, but there was nothing compelling about it that a consumer would want to take a second look at it. And we rebranded him. We created actually, it was a mascot based rebrand and the, the mascot was related to their name. So there was a connection now being, being made. And he had, I think it was 82 phone calls within the first six months versus zero of the previous six months and wow. revenue assigned to it. He was plumbing only. So the, the average tickets are going to be a little bit lower than HVAC, but it still, it was, I don't know, around the hundred thousand, let's just say. And so the ROI in terms of the spend, he only wrapped, I think three trucks at that point. So he had basically paid more than paid for the investment within six months. Um, so, Absolutely. you know, the ROI on that, I think people also, you know, you can look at revenue as a means to judge the effectiveness of any rebranding and say, well, we were at this revenue point prior to rebranding and, and now we're at this. And, and of course, those numbers are still really important. And we do look at those numbers and we do track those numbers. 
but you also have to remember that there's the intangible aspects of the rebrand, um, how it affects culture, how it affects recruitment, um, how it affects average tickets. Um, and so those are all aspects of it that also go back to data. And you could say, well, what was the average ticket that this company was getting prior to the rebrand? And what is the average ticket post rebrand? And, and you know, the, the big rationale, the big reason why we know this works is because you're giving that consumer a, a reason to believe that there's a premium that they should pay for this service. And I'm not suggesting you're doing something that's dishonest or or that's not accurate, but a lot of home service companies just don't really look as good as the service that they actually provide. And so what we want to try to do is match up that expectation or, or that actual deliverable um, with the reality of the services that they provide. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, and, and certainly Megan's a champion of people charging what they need to charge. And I'm not saying she, she wants people to charge more than, than what's fair. She wants them to get paid the most um, for their work. And, and so the ability to go into a home and to have a, a consumer believe that there's a reason to pay a premium for your service, same reason why someone wants to, or is okay with paying more for uh, a MacBook versus um, a PC. Like, well, why do people do that? Do they believe that there's something inherently better about an Apple product versus a Microsoft? And, and that of course takes years and years of, of people to develop those things, but every impression counts and we really want them to make the most of every single impression. And, and so um, certainly data supports that notion. Um, and like I said, you have the intangibles. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to measure the, the effect on culture, uh, but you feel it like you feel oh, it, absolutely. you know, you feel the employees are happy to put on a uniform now they work, walk in the break room and, and there's a beautiful wall wrap there. And, and so when you hear some of the struggles that home service companies have, as it relates to recruitment, you can also just create a better atmosphere that someone wants to be a part of uh, by improving your your brand. So most people come to us not really even knowing the effect it's going to have internally. They're more interested and in they 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 want a new logo. They they love our truck wraps and they want to have something like that. And that's fine. Like that's going to happen. But the other things are also going to happen. And those are kind of the hidden benefits that I think people don't even really understand or really know. They, six months later, they totally understand it. But like in the beginning, it's not something that initially is driving the call. Like I can't say that I've had many people that say, oh, my God, we want you to rebrand us because we want a better culture. Like that probably never happens. <laughs> but it happens afterwards, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And man, Guys, can I take the whole show? Is that allowed? No, I'm not. Okay. I just wanted to ask because Dan brought up colors and I'm a color nerd. I love colors. These ladies know that um, colors can really impact a brand. And I'm going to, I would love to like talk about that more, but as I want to answer Jay's question real quick. So he actually had a question in regards to call tracking numbers, localized numbers, things of that sort. So Jay said toll-free vanity number or localized number is which one would you say is better on vehicle wraps and yard signs? Um, the reality is phone numbers are becoming less and less relevant on trucks and on site signs and things like that. Um, I don't have a strong preference as to whether or not a vanity number is better. Vanity numbers can also be a pain in the ass. 
So you think about the logistics of a vanity number in a mobile or environment. So I'm mm -hmm. driving and it's 1-800-GOT-JUNK, which is an easy one to remember, but whatever it is, now you have to translate what that actually, what is the G? Oh, that's a six and the O is a, you know, so they actually become kind of a pain in the ass also to a certain extent. So we're really more about, in terms of prominence, phone numbers get the least prominence on most of our wraps, or sometimes they're not even included in our wraps because we feel the URL is much easier to remember and much more likely for someone to try to contact you through your URL where they'll just say, hey, Siri, you know, Google this number, you know, or not Google this, Google this business name and get the phone number from their website that way. So we always feel, and it's kind of, you know, it may sound horrible to say this, but we always say the bigger the phone number, the weaker the brand. Um, so if you have a huge phone number on the side of your van, it's coming at the expense of something that's actually more important in that particular design. So um, websites to me are, are certainly more and more critical than a vanity or a local number. Um, so, you know, if you could do a local number that's maybe has like a 9,000 at the end of it or, or something like that, that's fine. I'm not sure people are placing high premiums on whether or not they recognize the area code specifically or whether it's a, va a vanity number, but I'm not, I'm not as big a fan of vanity numbers today as I was 10 years ago or five years ago. So I think they're, you know, playing less and less a role. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, and to touch on the website uh, comment, that is very true. You can actually by sending your clientele to the website, they're actually able to get a lot more information in regards to the business prior to even calling, sending a web chat, sending an email, whatever their preferred form of contact may be. Because a lot of millennials, as Michelle's mentioned before on the show, they are not wanting to pick up the phone and call. They're not wanting to have a conversation. Well, millennials and Martha. Yeah. <laughs> millennials and Martha don't want to pick up the phone and call people. They so want true. to be able to find the answers on that website or be able to live chat, be able to communicate with someone texting in a way that they're comfortable. And those are yeah. really the new homeowners that we're starting to work with, which is crazy to think about, but that's 100%. the direction. We're going. So yeah. I appreciate, I, I seriously could take the whole show. Um, I won't do that to these ladies because this is going to be awesome. And I know they're going to all be able to pick your brain on their segments. So I appreciate you taking some time with me, Dan, and I'm going to go get the barking pug quiet. <laughs> Okay, you're stuck with me now. It's my turn. Oh, <laughs> Yay. I haven't seen you in like three months. Uh, you've been writing a book. You've been very busy. And it's so good. It's like pretty and it's like soft. And there's a lot of color in it. Jeff was actually um, fighting me for it because he's like, look at all these pretty pictures. <laughs> so we need to talk about this book. But first, can we go back to when we met? Can, can we like do that thing publicly? I love to do this thing. So um, I, I think before I even met you, I knew you through Tommy Mello. And you had this epic podcast episode with Tommy Mello that I feel like ruined me for working with anybody else ever. Um, because he talked about how all raps are wrong. And I, I think, can we just get like a snippet of this about how all wraps are currently wrong and like how there's a ton of printers and a ton of designers that are just doing a disservice to our industry by putting too much on the van. Can you give me like a hit list of the things, that, the top things that you see that are wrong? Um, most of them just 
aren't effective at communicating brand promise and and they start from a poor position because they don't have a brand that's worth putting on the side of a truck. So sometimes it's really not the designer's fault. If the client says, here's my logo and make a great truck wrap with it. Um, a lot of times that foundation is so poor, there's literally no way to make an effective truck wrap with what they're being given. So um, we certainly get asked a ton to design truck wraps for people who have existing logos. And for those companies, probably 95% of them, we, politely decline because I can't in good conscience take money to do something that I know actually isn't going to work. Um, so the idea that, you know, is it legible? Does it deliver brand promise? Is it unique? Is it memorable? Um, is it using colors that are distinct in my, in my marketplace? Um, does it help the consumer? Each of, feel those, each of those are gold, right? So now yeah, whenever I'm driving down a, a truck and it's funny, actually the four of us fight club, we were together and we were in Virginia and <laughs> We were having this whole discussion about like WVS, white van syndrome, and how that yep. person needed to call Dan Antonelli and how that person needed, you know, some help. Uh, so, you know, colors, does it name? What's their name? When they leave, do we remember it? Could we read it? Do we even know? What do they do? Are those three things related? Why are they different? Why should we call them? Was there anything that made us feel like, huh, I trust them in my home? And I feel like this is something that you have dialed in and because I got to read your book, uh, you started lettering. That was that was how you started your career here. Like mm -hmm. you've been doing this a long time. Yeah, thirty. Um, yeah, thirty something, thirty four years, thirty five years. I, I lettered my hand painted my first home service truck when I was fifteen. I can so wow. picture it, like a wow. little van painting a van, like oh, <laughs> so fun. Yeah, okay, my backyard. I think I got paid like. 200 bucks or something like that, which at the time was, was great. I was in high school, you know, so I was making some extra money and then I started doing some signs and things like that. So, yeah, but to your, to your point, I, I think like the reason for the book is I'm trying to have people understand that. So I, there's nothing sadder for me to see someone that just dropped $4,000 on a truck wrap that's marginalized. So those are the things that, I wish and I hope that the book can help people understand how this is supposed to work, right? Because I, you know, that 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 thread on Tommy's Facebook page for I the just home posted it. millionaire. Um, I you know, think it's like the best thing I've read before I read your book last week. Like, Dan there's like four hundred people, you know, that four hundred people, yeah, people. that didn't really know or wanted to know if they had like a bad truck wrap design or a bad, <laughs> bad you know, wrap. And, and most did have a, a poor wrap design. And I, I, you know, I tried to give them some tips and tried to, you know, help educate them on what to do or maybe how to fix it or, or areas to adjust or things to consider. But that's sad. Like that's wasted money. That's, that's missed opportunities for that home service company. So I, just hope the book will help people. So, you know. So let's, let's back up a little bit to this thread that we both are alluding to. So yeah, I yeah. posted a link in the show notes and I encourage you, if you are considering wrapping a vehicle to start there and basically 400 people put pictures of their existing wraps <laughs> on a thread. And then Dan explained how they missed the mark or how they could have done it differently or how they could have made it more effective or what he would have changed about that design. And, Often it's as simple as like, don't make the background busy, 
You know, what's your name? I can't read it. You know, uh, what do you do? I don't care that you're, you know, you have all this tiny text. Um, so it's a very interesting uh, thread, but it's sad because everybody's already paid the money to have the vehicles wrapped. They've already like invested yep. and they're very proud of it. And it's just, it's crushing because had they just changed the color, had they just done this simple thing differently, it would have been more effective. So he wrote a book. And I told him when we were getting on today, I was like, this should be required reading for any customer working with Dan Antonelli is you need to go through this first. You need to understand the importance of a name. You need to understand the importance of colors. You need to understand the interplay of how all these things on the wheel work together to really leverage your name and your community. So I, I wish I had read it before because I would have asked you a lot. I was kind of a hard customer, but I would have asked you more questions like, are you sure my name's okay? Like, are you sure we shouldn't change the name? Uh, I do want to be a little bit of a success story. I just pulled up our call rail and we have already made our investment back in the rebrand in the first six months of those vans being on the road. So Yay. Uh, you heard me talk about how painful and expensive it was. Uh, <laughs> you made my money back in six months and now it's just going to go completely like, I don't know what, what do you call it rocket fuel. That's what that's what's about to happen. Yeah. First time I met Dan, I said, "We're not interested in growing. This is a vanity rebrand. Uh, I have some extra money. I just wanted to go." And Dan said, "Well, I think you're in the wrong place. Um, nice meeting you." And like, I think he was gonna like hang up the Zoom. He was like, "No, that's not what we do here. <laughs> that's not what we do here." Uh, one more fun fact about Dan: Every time I see him, I tell him to raise his prices. So if you're considering rebranding with Dan, his prices are going up. They continue to go up. They've gone up every time I've seen you, Dan, haven't they? They, they, they have, but the deliverable also has changed as well to a certain extent. I mean, it's just more time being spent. And and so we wanted to account for that. And also, sure, the, the value assigned for it. Like, so, you know, if you made your, your ROI within six months, that's great. But you have a brand that's also going to you know, you shouldn't need to do anything for 10 years. So, I mean, what is it, and, what did it really cost? You know, and I mean, every dollar I spend is now going to be cheaper, right? right. It's going to go further. So right. there's no way to measure that. And I just mentioned call specific to specific numbers on my vans. And you're telling me, and I know my website and my name are way bigger than my phone number. So I don't have that data of the actual right. website traffic, yeah. right? And that's, that's the part that sometimes it's hard to quantify because they may see the vehicle and then go to the website and it's actually attributed to a website lead when mm -hmm. in reality it originated from outdoor or from the, from the vehicle itself. So I think a lot of the results are actually not even captured because all those impressions that happen out on the street remain top of mind. And then when they go to do a Google search, they just are literally typing in your name already. Mm. And so it may show up as a web lead when in reality it actually originated from something that they saw elsewhere. Um, so I know that it's actually doing more work than is often given credit to it. So if that makes sense. And, and it is, it's expensive. Uh, I was just, I went skydiving this weekend. It was really fun. <laughs> and uh, the skydiving place had a beautiful brand. And I think now we appreciate like what that means to have a good brand and how that brand can carry through an entire customer experience. And uh, it was, it was just really impressive. And we were talking about, you know, all of the swag cost, all of the uniform cost, all of the printing costs that goes into a rebrand and how expensive that can be but how it comes back, like how right. now the thing that you were describing in the beginning, I 
we have a friend, John Majak, who has a book coming out and he asked me about my rebrand experience. So I don't know if I told you that, Dan, you're going to be in another book. Uh, your book was <laughs> and I talked about the effects on my culture because I feel like the brand was what finally brought into alignment, my pricing, my customer experience and my employee culture, like all of those things. Now they fit, they look right. They feel right. <laughs> Um, oh, Martha, I'm stepping on her toes. Yes, Martha. No, I just want okay. you to save it because I'll actually have the three of us talking about just that. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to pause. If I could say something too, Megan, to, to your point about the skydiving experience. I mean, honestly, if they had a shitty logo, how are you feeling about jumping out of their plane or going up True. in their plane? Or a shitty video and, or, you know, yeah. the you formed impressions about the experience before you got to live the experience. But if the initial impressions were poor, I'm not sure you're super jazzed about jumping out of a plane. Now, of course, putting a $25,000 HVAC system in my house is, is equally scary to a certain extent, maybe not quite, but it's still scary. Um, and so we, we want that impression to make them feel confident in that decision. So it's kind of the same thing, jumping out of the plane, sort of the same thing as buying a system. <laughs> Not really, but but 100 say putting a new roof on in Florida is a terrifying experience. <laughs> and all the things we deal with, like you need to feel comfortable knowing that you know your roof's not going to fly off next hurricane season. Like right. so, I, that's completely a valid point that you're making, Dad. I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> well, and I think it was the alignment. You know, it and it, you can't like you're you're like, is it the uniform? Is it the swag? Is it the signage? Is it the is it the visual presentation? Is it the wrap on the plane? Is it the you know, there, there were so many different touch points where you're like, what is it that's making me feel so warm and fuzzy? And I think it was the entire experience from start yeah. to finish. And I think that's something that I'm really glad we've done with Kick Charge is uh, we did not just do a logo. We said, okay, help us with the website. Help us with the wrap design. Okay, mm -hmm. help us with future collateral. H help us make sure, because in your book you talk about, like, once you get a new logo, you can still bastardize it. <laughs> right? You can still have this designer put their look on it and this designer put their look on it and this, you know, you can still do it. And I started to with you. I totally did. I took your pretty logo and I was like, oh, I, I can make this a circle. And then I was like, no, I can't send it back. Dan, please help. <laughs> send it back. Don't do that. Hands off. I'm an accountant. Um, okay. There was one more thing I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, I have a bunch of links up on my screen. Uh, so read the book before you rebrand. I think it's super important. Uh, go look at this thread with Tommy Mello because it's, it's, you gave so much gold away. I feel like you must've spent 10 hours of your life responding to people's. Yeah, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't think quite so many people were going to really ask me about that. Um, but I, I really want to actually do something. I'm sort of taking notes about how you guys are doing this to a certain extent, but <laughs> I thought it would be really neat to have a video um, and do that assessment live. So like have people just submit their truck Ooh. and their logo and maybe I'll do like three on an episode and, and I'll, I'll mark it up and I'll just talk about how it can be improved or done differently or, or do so something helpful. like that. Be great. And I think that that would be kind of neat because that doesn't really exist. So that's one of my goals. I got the book out of the way and you know, I, I have so much free time now. Um, so <laughs> I thought, doing something like that would be would be kind of neat but to your point too like when you say about like thinking about logo by itself like it's a mindset thing so if, if you think 
that it is just a logo, like in quotation marks, like when people say, oh my God, it's that much for just a logo, then you really don't understand what it is you're actually buying. You don't really understand how this logo is so critical for all the other things. So that becomes something too that, again, you're a student of it now. You've gone through the experience. Now you see a crappy truck wrap and you know it's a crappy truck wrap because of going through the, the process with us. Um, well, but, because of reading a Facebook thread. Uh, yeah. So in the yeah. book, you talked about how quality has made it more, made it a living brand. Do you remember this? Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. can I share? Is that okay to talk sure. about for a minute? Okay. Yeah. So for quality, when quality heating, cooling, and plumbing based out of Tulsa, Martha, uh, when they went through their rebrand, it was all about their impact on the community. They really wanted their their brand promise to be about more than them. They wanted it to be about their clients, they wanted it to be about their community, they wanted it to be about their employees, and this merriment of all of those things. And I'm thinking, like, how can a logo do that? And the logo is a star, guys. It's just a star. That's sorry. Yeah, not to discount it. It's a star with some really pretty colors. But what they've done is they've really leveraged that in creative ways to get in front of their community. So they have, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, Dan, and I'm gonna write them a thank you card and be like, this is a brilliant idea that I read about in Dan's book. <laughs> they got a digital billboard, and on this digital billboard, they let their community kind of crowdsource the content. So they're wishing happy birthday for so-and-so's first birthday or 90th birthday. They're wishing their employees happy first day. They're Aww. wishing like their customers happy anniversary. And it's kind of like when you take out the article in the newspaper, but on a digital billboard with their brand and the brand says, we love to celebrate you with their name. And what happens is now their customers are taking pictures of their kid's first birthday picture on this okay. billboard and sending it to their family. And this is what Dan does. He builds an experience around a brand that just, it's like, it's a warm and fuzzy experience. So I, that was really awesome. I loved reading about that. I hope somebody takes a tip from that. And as I was saying it, you can still do the newspaper arts. You can still do the same thing with a newspaper ad and you can celebrate and put people in it. I also had to say, I took this picture of you and I didn't get photo credit, but I'm very proud of Yay. it. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the podcast. There's a really nice picture of Tommy Bell's old brand, which was terrible. And I feel like the story goes: Al Levy told Tommy that he hated his truck wrap, and then Tommy found Dan, and then Dan made Tommy love his truck wrap again. Um, wow. But there's a really cute picture in the book, and I'm like, I was there. I took that picture. Okay, that's it. That's all I got. I'm gonna pass you to Michelle. She's gonna talk to you about systems. And yeah. uh, if you want to pick Martha's brain about this thing, she calls it a hot seat. So if you want to do the live reviews of people. Martha's really good about putting people in a hot seat, hot seat and making yeah. them feel warm and fuzzy. So we'll circle back on that later. I love it. So Dan, we've talked about logos. We've talked about truck wraps and we've talked about marketing. We've talked about colors. I think one of the systems that people forget when they talk about a rebranding is your actual tagline. Tell me how kick charge like helps people identify a tagline and why that's an important part of this whole package that you pro provide for people. Yeah, taglines are are fun. We do a lot of taglines. I'd say we'll probably do 50 to 75 this year. And it's just so much fun when we get the opportunity to do that because it really helps lay even further the foundation of that brand story. And a lot of times the tagline relates back to the visuals. So if you have a specific visual, it also helps answer the why of why that visual exists. I think we have a whole section on naming and taglines in the book. 
So I go into a lot of detail about taglines and and why they should be used when you have the opportunity and to, to avoid sort of the really common ones that don't really mean much, you know, sure. and some people use things like, Oh, satisfaction guaranteed or, <laughs> um, you know, serving you since 1953. And there's nothing wrong with that to a certain extent, but there isn't really a, a huge story other than you've been around a long time. So like just thinking about taglines that can be a little bit more memorable, a little bit more unique, um, and make it relate back to the visuals that they're seeing. And then you could also do things that tie it all together on the rest of your story. So I love it when we have the opportunity to do a tagline. I love it even more when we do naming and the tagline, because then it's clean slate that I can just really? do what I want and, and come up with a whole theme and a whole concept. And it also just relates back to the idea of branded content and how branded content on your website, on your social channels, all these other things are so critical. So I, I, I think I talk about in the book and I just say, if you go to your, your, your own website and you replace your name with your competitor's name and does the website still read exactly fine? Hmm. And if it does, then what exactly is unique about your story? What exactly is unique Ooh. about your company? So, and from a consumer standpoint, why would I think anything different about your experience versus the competitor's experience? So when we have the opportunity again to do naming and write content for websites and build websites, you know, that's really fun for our team because you could look at some of the websites that we've written and designed and you couldn't replace their competitor's name on our website and have it make any sense. It would be it would be so out of sorts because their name or their brand story is totally not related to to this one. So those are things that I think if you have the opportunity, it can make that brand more more human. Um, mm -hmm. It can make it more memorable and it can connect to them in a way that, again, their competitors likely are not leveraging. You know, sometimes and sometimes the brand promise associated with the tagline is is so common that it becomes meaningless. And, and it's not something that I even, you know, really care about from a consumer perspective. So what can you do in your tagline to make the experience that that home consumer will get? Um, how can you build something that will make them feel that that experience will be unique, that will be different? Because otherwise, if it's the same as everyone else, then my only my only point that I'm trying to figure out is who can I buy it the cheapest from? Because if they're all the same, then yeah. why, why, why would I ever spend more with someone else? So. You just become a commodity at that point. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay. I'm obsessed with the word that you dropped and maybe people didn't grab it, but renaming. That's a probably a big, scary opportunity for people. And mm -hmm. I know now in, I've seen it at least this year for sure, a lot of people are obtaining other businesses and they're mm -hmm. bringing them under the umbrella of the original business that they've you know, started or owned. Sure. Talk to me about the renaming process. Like if you're thinking about that, where do you kind of start? And tell me what that looks like. Cause that, like you said, clean slate, that must be super cool for you guys, but yeah. a little terrifying for the business owner. So tell us how you walk them through that. <laughs> sure. And the, I think that's the longest chapter in the entire book, is I think okay. <laughs> is on naming because it is so, so critical. So Listen, you can you can brand anything with enough money and enough marketing. Um, and so a lot of times you have challenges with names, whether it's initial base, like 
TJS power washing mm-hmm. um, versus clean sweep power washing. Let's just say as an example, one sure. one I can assign maybe a value and I can get a hint of what you actually do mm-hmm. versus one TJ. Why would I ever remember TJS or, yeah. or something like that? <laughs> okay. Um, so names that infer brand promise certainly will always perform better than generic names and last name based brands. And I get when most people start this process, listen, they're, I'm not going to say there isn't a book like this in the world, but there isn't really a book like this that talks to home services about what they should do before they even file their LLC. So that's something. So they started the company and I get it. And they're at a certain point and now they're trying to figure out how to get to that next level. So naming you, you know, you look at those things, whether it has traction, how much brand equity is in the name, have they been in the community for decades? What's the revenue that they're at? You know, generally speaking, if it's a poor name and they're under $2 million in revenue, um, it's not really as big a deal as they might think to rename. Um, we'll probably do about 50 renames this year. Um, and we've already probably done, maybe we've done about a hundred so far. We have never experienced a net decrease in revenue subsequent to renaming. Wow. Never that's happened. huge to hear that guys. That's huge. So it's never like, and that's the big worry. Oh, like it's, you know, what if we lose attraction and it, when it's done properly, when it's rolled out properly. um, And there's a method to doing that. Like we talk about that in the book, like how to do it, like how to roll it out properly. So that you don't miss a beat so that you can continue to grow. So I think that you have to be honest with yourself. You have to ask yourself and look at it from a consumer perspective and say, does the name speak to, first of all, who I am today? Versus who I was when I started this company, because that that changed. And listen, Kick Charge wasn't always called Kick Charge. Um, it was really? called Graphic Designs. And it was called Graphic Designs because I did graphic design work and I came from the sign background. So I thought it was kind of cool. It was like D-signs. Oh, and <laughs> 17, 18 years later, I'm like, well, we really don't. I mean, we do graphic design, but that's not really who we are. We're a branding agency. And we don't do signs at all. I mean, yes, we design for signage and we design for trucks, but I'm not making signs here. Like we don't produce truck wraps here. So why we still call this? Well, everyone knows us by this name and people know who we are. And, and so I had that in my psyche as well. And I'm, and then I realized, you know what, this isn't who we are anymore. And, and it's, yeah. it's basically time to change. So in 2017, we renamed the agency and, oh my God, I'm so glad that I did <laughs> it reflects who we are. Like the name speaks to the energy that we bring to our, to our clients and to our work and how we help power small businesses. So um, I had to look, you know, be introspective about it and say, is this who we are today? And it, that, you know, that takes a certain amount of ego to put aside, to do that. And I, I say in the book, and, and Megan probably, I probably repeated a number of times in the book, is that the idea that old brands are like a warm blanket to the owner, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's soft and it's cuddly yeah. and, you know, they kind of kept it and it's that gotten they are. And that's fine. But it's like where you want to go, you have to decide if it's really going to take you to where you want to go. And naming is so important. But like I said, you know, people look at any measure of success as the reason to continue it. So they say, well, it's gotten me here. Why would I ever change? And and I look at that and I just look at opportunity. I say, it's gotten you there, which is amazing. Like how you got to where you are with what you had. Shocking. 
And I love it because that means that you are doing things well from an operational standpoint. Yeah. Okay. From, from a uh, recruitment standpoint, like a lot of things you're doing really well, but you're missing the opportunity to have that brand do so much more of the heavy lifting for you. So let's fix that because I know you know how to run a company and I can help you market it so much better. And then you put those two it. things together. And it's like you said, like I said to, to, to Megan, like, like, don't hire me if you don't want to grow because the, like I suck at that. Okay. So, <laughs> so good. Well, okay, awesome. I, I had a white man syndrome just to be perfectly clear. I had, I, he was talking to me. I had clip art that I had found, you know, I did my brand 14 years ago. I was time to modernize. The other thing that we didn't talk about real briefly, sorry, Michelle, but is the money thing. So in inflationary times, I feel like we need to be talking about this more, but we yeah. can invest today's dollars on a rebrand that will make our marketing dollars later cheaper. Yep. And they're going to go further because it's today's dollars, right? Tomorrow, they're not worth the same. So yeah. I feel like it was, I, that was probably the smartest thing I did this year and I don't regret <laughs> it. And I challenge all of you to consider doing the same, uh, invest some of today's dollars to earn future dollars at a discount. Um, and they'll go further because the brand's stronger. Beautiful. Thanks, Dan. I'm going to pass you off to Martha. Thank you so much. It was awesome. Okay. All right. Well, I'm very familiar with Megan and Jeff and, um, sort of remember your brand prior to, I certainly know it now. Um, so I want to talk about that experience, but when you were talking about taglines, now I don't know if I had a good or a bad tagline for our maid service, but it was you deserve us. And when I made that tagline, the thought was around people feel guilty about hiring a maid service. And it's like, no, you deserve it. You work hard. And I wished I would have leaned into that more with recruiting, with, um, you know, our internal culture. Um, because I think I could have done more. Uh, I, I went through two stages of my business, Dan. The stage where I was really into my maid service, really poured everything in. And then came quality driven software. And then it was like, I hate to say that was kind of my stepchild that I didn't pay attention to. No offense to, I know, uh, but we all love stepchildren and uh, Michelle, <laughs> I don't mean that, but you know, just the, the thought of it, I didn't pay enough attention and I think I could have done so much more. So I don't even know if that made sense. So we're going to switch to Megan. I want you to talk about kind of what, I mean, there were other things that went on, but the culture before with your old brand and the culture now with your new brand and, and how that influenced things. Okay, a real quick, and Dan, I don't know if you know the story, so it's good that you're here to hear it. Um, so Martha helps us with our culture. Like before Martha, Jeff said, you know, I pay people to do a job and, you know, she says, well, how's that working for you? Because he was a very grumpy boss. And uh, we actually, it's really fun to talk about how Jeff was as a leader before Martha and now how he is now. So we started incorporating volunteering events with our team. 
And for me, this turning point was we had just done our first van wrap. So we had the new brand, we had the new design, and we got the first van from back from the guy. And uh, it was in December and Jeff was having like a Christmas party, but it was a surprise Christmas party. And he took the guys to go shopping for Toys for Tots. And it was really fun. Everybody went to Target and they got to choose out any toys they want. And I'm like, send me pictures I want to see. And he sends me a picture of this beautiful van. Like this van is gorgeous. And a bunch of hoodlums standing in front of the van. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. What are those our people? Do they work for us? And it was gutter cleaning season and they were wearing dirty clothes with dirty hats, with dirty jackets, with dirty boots. And they were standing in front of this beautiful van. And I was like, I mean, it broke my heart. I just, I, Dan, I, I probably never told you because I didn't want you to see like how your brand was being just tainted by the way my employees looked. And what I realized was it wasn't their image and it wasn't our culture. It was me as a leader we hadn't bought them outerwear. Like it had never occurred to us to buy them beanies and fleeces and soft shells and rain jackets. And, you know, we used to do that and then they lose it or whatever. And as soon as we changed that the next month, we launched like really nice fleeces, really nice outerwear. And everybody looked like professional. And we took another picture in front of those beautiful vans. And I was like, ah, that's what we're supposed to like. Good job, guys. Same team. Uh, so that's not really answer your question, but I think it is important about the brand experience, like transferring through and we don't know what we don't know. Um, it's more than just a truck wrap. It's how we present. The other thing that I really feel like happened was uh, our recruiting goes further because our vans are everywhere. So like people know about our brand before they apply to work for our company and they've already made assumptions about who we are. Like we're legit. We're not going to be paying them via Venmo, right? We're not going to be paying them under the table. Like we we're a real company who really values our employees. And it's changed to this experience of being an employee. Like we, Martha taught us to roll out the red carpet on their first day and they have a branded welcome card on their first day. And they have a stack of uniforms that are very professional, that are like really nice brands on their first day. And they feel valued and trusted as part of this like team, this culture. Is that where you wanted me to go with that, Martha? Or I talk yeah, more about clothing absolutely. than anything else. But I mean, the clothing's important, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you if you step back and think about it, um, people want to feel proud of where they work. And and the thing is, I feel like that's even more important with a home service business. Because, you know, I've said it a million times, sometimes people come to apply for our jobs because they feel like, well, it's just cleaning. I can do that. Or it's just getting on a ladder, cleaning gutters. I can do that. And that's not what we want our employees or clients to think about what we do. And so it is just, it is the whole brand and um, what we represent. So by doing that and changing your perception in the community, you know, you can lift up your employees. And I love it. It's great. Uh, I'm, I'm in the same market as Jake Wolds, Dan. So Jake is the right way garage and he yeah. did this whole like reveal to his team did you get to see that yeah it was awesome I, it I was have, like a whole do you have yeah I sent I have Dan some. 
yeah. yeah. Uh, also, their colors are very similar, which I think is kind of cute what they did there. But okay, so yeah, shout out to so the right right way garage doors and the in Jake did this whole team event about the rebrand, and and Jake was like the fastest I think I've seen out of coming out of a rebrand with his signage. He had you get a new um, org chart. He had a new core values thing. He had new everything was redone under the new brand, and the team got really excited because they could feel that they mm -hmm. were part of something that was changing and that was going to be like exceptional, right? Um, mm -hmm. For us, we tried to do that. We have a giant career ladder that Martha helped us build, and I couldn't stand seeing the old brand on. I was like, no, that's not that's not the company of our future. We need the new brand on everything that we're showing to the client or to the employees so they know that you're joining at an exciting time. Things are about to get really fun. Really and look fun. what we did for, for Jake too with his name. I mean, he used to be called RW Garage Doors. And I said, well, Jake, what does that mean? And I actually really forget the origins of why it was called RW. Um, obviously it probably wasn't very memorable if I can't even remember. <laughs> why it was called rw um but then we started brainstorming we said well what about right way and then right way really became the notion of what was almost expected from all the employees so it became this this story that we could tell about how everything we do at this company we will do it the right way so rw meaningless right way has meaning, has value, has has value to the consumer as well, because it means something to them. We're going to stand behind our work and we're going to do it the right way for you. Right. So so there's so much that he leveraged from just that change. Um, and certainly to Megan, his, his rollout was amazing. Like I, I, I was getting videos during the day of it and they had a curtain and they unveiled the van and they had all the new swag for the employees and they really that's you know, embrace that idea of what this new sort of beginning um, would mean for them. So the rebrand becomes this catalyst for really, really significant positive change. And it was it's just great to, to witness it and to see what happens afterwards. And, and Jake was just a pleasure to work with. And it was just a lot of fun really coming up with that story for him and, and creating you know, this really nice brand for him. He, he said it's making his meetings easier because all he has to do is ask now in a meeting with staff, well, is it the right way or is it the fast way? Yeah. Well, is it the right way or is it the fast way? And he says, wow. it's just like everybody stops and all he says is, well, is it the right way? And like, he's he's like, everything's just easier and everybody's on the wow. same page and it's so simple, but it it's a brand promise that happens internally and externally and can shift things. So. Jake, I did not mean to make that about you without asking you in advance, but we think it's really cool. And Dan and I are big fans. So there you go. Yeah. I love that reveal to yeah, the employees and uh, to really pull them in and get them on board. And that's that's a really cool story. Well, okay. Um, we don't have much time and we have to get to homework. So I'm like, Tay, I could go on forever and ever. <laughs> Um, and I hope we get to do this again sometime, but, uh, I'll pass it back to you, Tay, so we can start the homework and Dan, you're going to be able to give homework or not. Um, and Tay, I won't steal your thunder. You can explain. Okay. <laughs> I got you. So everyone, it is time for homework. So with homework, we do ask that you only choose one piece of homework to work on this week. 
That way you can effectively work on that homework and execute it to make sure you're moving the needle forward in your business. So we are about to give you four to five pieces of homework. So again, please just choose one. When it comes to marketing homework, I want you to sit down for five to 10 minutes this week and look at your logo and ask yourself if that really is a foundation for your business. Is that the hub of the wheel that Dan is talking about today as we spoke earlier in the conversation about? If it does not have that strong foundation, we need to start looking at ways to be able to improve that. Maybe it is giving a, a reach out to Dan and talking to him and having you know that discovery call to see what can be improved upon to make that brand strong. So as Megan mentioned, we can be able to invest now when the money is where it's at and not later on when the it is devalued. So that's going to be your marketing homework this week. I want you to analyze your logo, take a look at it and really see if it is, you know, is it just a logo as we talked about, or is it your foundation? I love it. I love it. Uh, your homework this week is going to be to read this book because it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I, I guess technically this can't be accomplished this week because it's not releasing until September 15th. So super easy out for your homework this week is to order the book. So I'm going to put the order. link in the book. There you go. You can order the book and check off your homework in like two seconds. Um, but for me, even though I've gone through the rebrand, I learned so much from this book. He actually has the templates for how to roll out the rebrand. He talks about all of like, it's like a checklist basically for thinking about our branding. And I love that. So that's going to be my finance homework for you this week, because I do believe strongly that we can, we can spend today's dollars and, and just have them go much further with a quality rebrand now. Now is the perfect time. And your systems homework is to do a little bit of stalking of your uh, competitors and open their website, place your name in place of theirs and see if it reads correctly. And then why are you not differentiating yourself from your competitor? Have you unintentionally commoditized your business in your market? So do that as a just a, a fact check um, and then reach out to Dan if you need some help. All right. And your people homework, I want you to think about your brand. Hopefully you have an established brand and it's a, it's a good brand. Um, and I want you to think about what about your brand makes your people feel proud to work there? Like, what are you doing internally in your culture that makes people feel proud to work there? You know, Megan touched on uniforms, even internal signage. It just, um, is it feeling fly by night or does it feel like an experience to work there maybe is lofty, but you get what I mean. So I want you to think about that and how that affects the pride people have to work there. Okay, Dan, you have homework. You guys like really got all my uh, assignments. <laughs> Dang it. No, not, not really fair. Um, let's see, what can I give you for homework? Yeah, I mean, you guys touched on everything that I really would have said, like be introspective, look at what you're currently doing, um, see if it's an adequate representation of who you are today and um see if it's attracting the right kind of people 
Um, we didn't really touch a lot about brand story, but how about this being your homework? Write down what your actual brand story is currently. And if you can't come up with a, what, come up with what your story is, that's a problem. Okay, so try to think about what is the unique story about your organization. And is that communicated to your employees? Do they know what it is? Would they be able to identify it? Forget about even just the people you're trying to sell to, but can you or they identify what is your unique brand story? I have to say working with the copywriter on the website was my favorite part of the rebranding experience because I think they got really far into that and I came up with stuff that I would have never thought of before um, about yeah. what makes us special. And it, it it was a really fun experience. Uh, and your copywriters are fun. Like they have a good- they, they're, they're amazing. Like the taglines, the names, the, the stuff they write for brochures and websites. It's just, yeah, very fortunate to have them on my team. Awesome. Nice. Well, I have my homework. I don't know if everyone else does, but make sure to only choose one. Just our, our number number one reminder, please choose one. <laughs> we want you to execute. We want this podcast to be different and we want you to move the needle forward in your business. So uh, Dan, if someone does have questions, someone wants to get into contact with you or wants a discovery call, what's the best way for our listeners to be able to reach you? Sure. They can go to kickcharge.com or they could send me an email, dan at kickcharge.com. Awesome. So we'll Be make sure to add on Facebook that. and join Yay. the home service expert group because it gives lots of gold in that group. Love it. And we always close Dan with a quote. So I'm actually going to quote you today. And oh. it is uh, creative branding helps businesses stand out from the competition, attract the right clients and employees and win the hearts and minds of their ideal customers. And that is a quote that's from your book. So thank you so much for that, because that really encapsulates everything that you do. Um, we appreciate you coming on today. And everybody have a great day out there and keep fighting, okay? Go fight. Bye, everybody. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Yeah. With Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business.